Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley. A packed show again on Times Radio today. We talked a lot about art, whether it's Banksy or the empty plinth in Bristol. We looked at Welsh independence as it was debated in the Welsh Parliament for the first time. But as it's Wednesday, we of course have to bring you PMQ's Unpacked with me and Tim Shipman pausing the action to tell you what is really going on between Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer. Order, order. I call Matt Chorley. And Tim Shipman. <laughs> Lindsay Hoyle there, the common speaker, uh, giving us our full introduction. Tim, good week for the government? Bad week? It, like you said, it's all a bit bitting, so it's quite even difficult to sort of control all of those things. Well, I think that they're moving forward on a number of things they want to do, but I think there's a general sense on the big issue of COVID and face masks that it's been yet another sort of chaotic few days Um where Boris Johnson gave a pretty firm hint that he was going to uh, uh, make changes on face masks at the end of last week. Then on Sunday, Michael Gove came out and said, no, they weren't, um, even though a lot of journalists had written at the weekend that they were, because we've, we've been told that they were. Um, <laughs> and then it all happened anyway. And then, you know, uh, one of our rival newspapers suggesting this morning that uh, there'd be face masks in uh, offices, um, that story was wrong. Um, now, you know, no shame on those journalists who were obviously told it by somebody. Um, so there's a sort of lack of consistency here. The gov- a lot of government ministers are out tweeting messages about all of this, and some of them are even slightly couched and not entirely clear. So uh, someone needs to get a grip on this, and I'm sure uh, Mr Starmer will be uh, having some views on that. And it's such a straightforward, easy thing for anyone to understand that this has been a bit of a mess. Well, chaos is is, is the opposition's friend, isn't it? Um, you don't need to be precise about the detail if you can just give a general air of this ain't going quite right. So let's, let's dip in. Here's Keir Starmer. Over the last few months, we've supported many of the economic measures announced by the government, but the decision last week not to provide sector-specific support to those most at risk could end up costing thousands of jobs. One of the sectors, aviation has already seen huge redundancies. BA have announced 12,000 redundancies, Virgin 3,000, EasyJet 1,900. If the government's priority really is to protect jobs, why did the Chancellor not bring forward sector-specific deals that could have done precisely that? Minister. Uh, Well, Mr Speaker, no-one should underestimate the scale of the challenge that this country faces, and uh, that is why the Chancellor has brought forward a range of measures, which, by the way, he supported uh, last week, uh, Mr Speaker, the the job uh, retention bonus, the uh, Kickstarter programme for young people, and we are also doing a huge amount to support the aviation sector. And one of the the companies uh, that he mentions, Virgin, has now come out of the Birch uh, process after extremely difficult, uh, but in the end, productive conversations. That's the work of this government, getting on, helping companies through it, helping our people through it. Uh, uh, And I may say to Mr Speaker, he has to work out whether he's going to support or oppose the government's programme to get people back into work. Last, last week, the shadow, the shadow Chancellor said uh, here in this House of Commons, Mr Speaker, that she supported our programme. This week, he says he opposes it. Which is it? Keir Starmer. 
Keir Starmer on the side of bailing out Richard Branson, sort of. Yes. Um, uh, well, we got all that wrong, didn't we? Uh, um, <laughs> people who phoned in last week to complain that we're being uh, uh, too uh, accurate in That's our predictions. We we'll be delighted of, with the start. We were accused um, of being smug last week. We were because accused we were of being smug. Um, no, I mean, uh, Labour have been hammering away at uh, uh, this idea that you need sector-specific furloughing and bailouts and all the rest of it. Rishi Sunak's view is that it's terribly complicated if you start doing that. It's better to have a bit of lost money uh, but, to, but to bail out everybody. Um uh, and the Treasury thinks it's too expensive and too complicated to do anything else. Um, and then Boris Johnson with his absolutely classic response, which is, you keep changing your mind, mate. You were supporting us last week. You're not supporting us this week. You have to decide. But, of course, leaders of the opposition don't have to decide. The greatest leader of the opposition was Oliver Twist, who always wanted more. And that's exactly what um, uh, Keir Starmer was able to ask for. And it, it does feel like, regardless of what Keir Starmer asks for, uh, Boris Johnson will come back and accuse him of uh, changing his uh, his position or something. Let's see how, or even if Keir Starmer even bothers answering the Prime Minister's uh, question. This is just such rhetorical nonsense. It is, it is perfectly proper and right for the opposition to set out the parts of the package that we supported the government and to highlight where there are problems. And the problem with the Prime Minister's dismissal of this is that since the Chancellor set down last week, around 10,000 people have lost their jobs. The Prime Minister should focus on them, not the rhetoric. And the OBR yesterday projected 3.5 million unemployed next year. I want to press the Prime Minister further on the situation at BA, a huge employer and the national flag carrier. Alongside the 12,000 redundancies already announced, BA is trying to force through the rehiring of the remaining 30,000 workers on worse terms and conditions. That's totally unacceptable, and it's a warning shot to millions of other working people. The Prime Minister sent an email to BA staff in which he said, I've already made it clear that firms should not be using furlough to cynically keep people on their books and then remove them or change their terms and conditions. That was the 2nd of June. It's now six weeks on. Will the Prime Minister now personally intervene and make clear that actions like those at BA cannot be allowed to stand without consequences for landing slots? This this feels like an increasingly left-field... Topic choice. Yeah, I think he's trying to find subjects that Boris Johnson is not. You know, Boris Johnson will have a very firm line ready on face masks, um, and he he's hoping perhaps that he doesn't have a firm line uh, on lots of other things. And you get this sometimes at Prime Minister's questions. You'll get a scattergun of kind of half a dozen different things rather than six questions on the same subject. Um, but that was classic politics, wasn't it? You know, this is rhetorical nonsense, says Starmer, and uh, Starmer says, no, it's not. It's, perfect. it's perfectly right and proper. And it, it, it's a sign, perhaps, of uh, Keir Starmer trying to take back the jobs, jobs, jobs uh, slogan that he, he had a couple of weeks ago, which the Prime Minister sort of tried to appropriate. I mean, actually, the, the, the bigger question, and it's one that Rishi Sunak has tackled head on, is that the government can't save every job. And bluntly, if none of us are flying anywhere, the airline industry is going to take a massive hit. It's not like, uh, uh, and that may well be a long-term impact of uh, coronavirus. It's not like, you know, just try to help an industry through until they can reopen again. You know, people could fly if they wanted to right now, and they're not. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And Boris Johnson occasionally levels with the public. He tends to do it in a sort of piece to camera rather than at Prime Minister's question times where it looks like it's uh, offering too much to his rival. Well, let's see how, uh, if this gets any more niche from Keir Starmer now. Mr Speaker, we've been absolutely clear that we want our companies, our great companies across this country to support their workers and uh, to keep them in employment where they, where they possibly can. And I've made that point clear to, uh, in the, on the floor of the House uh, just in the last couple of weeks. But let's be, let's be absolutely 
uh, absolutely clear. British Airways and many other companies are in severe difficulties at the moment. And we cannot, uh, I'm afraid, Mr Speaker, simply, uh, with a magic wand, ensure that every single job that was, was, was being done before the crisis is retained after the crisis. What we can do, and what we are doing, is encouraging companies to keep their workers on with the job retention scheme, uh, with the job retention bonus, and with a massive programme in investment in this country, a £600 billion investment programme in this country to build, build, build and create jobs, jobs, jobs. And that is what we are doing, Mr Speaker. Well, there we are. Boris Johnson trying to take back jobs, 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 but also making the point that we were just discussing that uh, the government can't, can't rescue every job. Yes, your smug points will go up as a result of that <laughs> intervention. Never mind uh, who, which of them scoring points. I've got some smug points now. Yeah, uh, that's right. And, you know, he grabbed the rhetoric and ran with it, didn't he? Um, and that will be one of his clips, I suspect. Right, let's go back to Keir Starmer. The Prime Minister knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's the rehiring 30,000 people at BA on worse terms. And- it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Conditions, and he should call it out. Yesterday, the government's expert advisory group published a report on the challenges this autumn and winter. They were asked to do so by the government's Office for Science. That report assessed the reasonable worst-case scenario for this autumn and winter, including a second COVID spike and seasonal flu and it set out strong recommended actions to mitigate the risks. The report was clear. July and August must be a period of intense preparation, i.e. now. Can the Prime Minister make clear that he intends to implement the recommended actions in this report in full and at speed? Uh, Prime Minister, not only are we, are we getting on with uh, implementing uh, the preparations for a potential uh, new spike, but he will know that the government is engaged in record investments in the NHS, £34 billion. What I think the House may not, not realise is, just in the last year since this government has been in, in office, uh, there are now 12,000 more nurses in the NHS, 6,000 more doctors, and it was thanks to their hard work, thanks to the hard work of the entire NHS, that we were able to prevent our health service from being overwhelmed uh, this spring, and we 
will in, we will take steps to ensure that it is not overwhelmed this winter as well. Starmer, that's the whole point. That's uh, Boris Johnson then trying to do his gear. He does. He sort of has two halves to every answer. There's he sort of vaguely addresses the point that Keir Starmer's making, and then sort of gear shifts into just doing some sloganeering. Yeah, and actually, I feel he does that across the whole of PMQs as well. He tends to sort of absorb uh, the pain for the first half, and he tends to be slightly more bullish in answers four, five, and six. Uh, and comes out punching, and you know, from his point of view, bunging money into the NHS has been a theme of his uh, politics since the referendum campaign, uh, and. Uh, uh, whatever people think of what was on the side of the bus, he's going to keep making that point. <laughs> I think you could well be right. Uh, let's go back to Keir Starber. Point of this report. It sets out the reasonable worst-case scenario and tells the government what it needs to do about it. So I'm surprised he's not committing to fully implement it. It's vital that the government learns the lessons from the mistakes that have been made and acts now to save lives for the future. One of the key recommendations in this report, commissioned by the government's Office for Science, is that testing and tracing capacity will need to be significantly expanded to cope with increased demands over the winter. The reality is this. Trace and track is not working as promised as it stands today. The report makes clear it needs to be significantly expanded to cope with the risks of autumn and winter. What assurance can the Prime Minister give that the system will be fit for both purposes in the timeframe envisaged in this report, i.e. by this September? I feel like we're drifting further away from the news agenda here, Tim. If one of the, the purposes of PMQs is for the leader of the opposition to insert himself into the news, is this going to do it? No, I think what he's doing here is building up um, a narrative that he can return to in the autumn and, and getting it on the record now. Um, he's trying to say, there's all these things you should be doing, it's going to get worse later in the year, uh, are you going to do them? And if Boris Johnson doesn't commit to them, if things do get worse in the autumn uh, and into the winter, then Keir Starmer will be able to point back and say, on July the 15th, I asked you this and, and you didn't do it. So I think he's playing the long game here. Uh, having actually faced some criticism for playing quite a short game, you know, the Labour calling for the lockdown to happen on the day that Boris Johnson announced it, uh, you know, go, coming round to calling for things to happen when they were basically going to happen anyway, so... Well, my understanding is on the lockdown that they had a mole who told them it was going to happen, so they said that it should, knowing that it would. <laughs> oh, never, yeah, that's, that's a good bit of insider knowledge. Let's go back to Boris Johnson. Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, once again, he attacks the test and trace operation, which is working at absolutely unprecedented uh, scale. And 144,000 people across the country, 144,000 people across the country have now agreed to uh, self-isolate to stop the spread of the virus. Uh, and he, he keeps saying that there were, the test and trace operation is failing to contact enough people or uh, failing to get enough people to, uh, to self-isolate. Actually, they are doing fantastic work. They could, they could 70% or 80% of the contacts uh, are, are, are found and, uh, and they, are, they are getting through to the vast majority of people who have the disease. And I, I can certainly give the House the assurance that our test and trace system is as good as or better than any other system anywhere in the world. And yes, it will play, it will play a vital it will play a vital part in ensuring that we do not have a second spike this winter. And what I think he should do, instead of knocking the confidence of the country in the test and trace system, he, now is the time for him to return to his previous script and build it up. That's what he needs to do. If you like what you're hearing, you can listen to the whole of my Times Radio show. Either listen back on the Times Radio app or you can listen live Monday to Thursday, 10 till 1. We'll have more on the episode after this. 
Ah, oh, the old get to your other script, your flip flopper. Yes, but also classic Boris Johnson, which is broad brush, optimistic and saying everything's fine, even when it may not be. Um, a lot of those test and trace figures have looked like they've been in decline. Um, and he's right to say it's done on an unprecedented scale. It just may not be unprecedented enough. Well, yeah, but, but let's be honest, everything right now is pretty unprecedented. Exactly. Uh, you know, th- this this version of uh, the Times Radio is pretty unprecedented because we've only been doing it for three weeks. So, um, uh, somebody sent just tweeted me a, a photo. It looks like early on in PMQs, Boris Johnson stood up to go to the dispatch box and then he chopped himself in half with his folder after he jammed him the folder between himself and the dispatch box. But luckily, he seems he seems to be okay and has not winded himself. Let's go back to Keir Starmer. Mr. Speaker, the problem with the Prime Minister quoting the seventy percent of people who are contacted and asked to self isolate is that's gone down. It was 90% just a few it's weeks ago, and every week it's gone down. So I wouldn't quote the latest figure um, looking at the trend. But I have to ask, in light of the last few questions, has the Prime Minister actually read this report that sets out the reasonable worst-case scenario and tells the government what it needs to do about it in the next six weeks? Has he read it? Yes. Prime Minister. Minister. I'm, of course, aware of the report, and we're, we're of course, we are, of course, taking every reasonable step to prepare this country uh, for, for a, a second spike. And, and I'm, I may say to the, to the Right Honourable Gentleman, it is, it is up to him, uh, really, to get behind what the government is doing or, or not. And uh, he has previously supported our plan. He has previously come to this House and said that he supports our measures. Uh, he, now says, he now says, I think, that he doesn't support them. I think what he needs to do is build up the confidence of the people of this country uh, cautiously to get back to work, cautiously to restart our economy, which is what we are trying to do, instead of endlessly knocking the confidence of the people of this country, knocking their confidence in tests and trace, knocking their confidence in uh, our schools and the safety of our schools, and knocking the co- our confidence in our transport network. Now is the time for him to decide whether he backs the government or not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, I don't really know where to start there. So, so we'll start uh, with, of course, I'm aware of the report. <laughs> Which means, no, I haven't read the report, but someone's read me out the details and sent me a pressy of them. But, but, but proof that, you know, if people sometimes think that politicians lie a lot, he could have just said, yes, I've read the report, but he, he's conscious that, um, uh, that maybe someone will know that he hasn't. Uh, so he's aware of the existence of the report, as we all are now. Um, and then challenging Keir Starmer, it's up to him to get behind the government. I'm not totally sure that is the job of the leader. Well, of the I think what Boris Johnson envisages uh, is the sort of wartime scenario where Clement Attlee served in Winston Churchill's cabinet and effectively, uh, you know, ran a joint effort against, uh, you know, the uh, the evils on the outside. Um, and, you know, it would obviously be very convenient for the Prime Minister if the Leader of the Opposition agreed with him on everything. Sadly, that's not really the Leader of the Opposition's job, uh, as Boris Johnson may in his dark, quiet moments acknowledge to himself. Um, also, Boris Johnson uh, calling on Keir Starmer to build up confidence cautiously. I'm not quite sure how, how one goes about doing that. Uh, no, um, <laughs> any more than Keir Starmer does. Um, well, let's see if Keir Starmer's got an answer to this request to build up confidence cautiously. It is perfectly possible to support track and trace and point out the problems. And standing up every week saying it's a stunning success is kidding no one. That isn't giving people confidence in the system. They would want the Prime Minister who stands up and says there are problems and this is what I'm going to do about them. Not this rhetoric about stunning success when it's obviously not true. Finally this afternoon, this afternoon, Prime Minister, I'm meeting the families of the COVID-19 Bereaved Families for Justice group, a group of hundreds of families who've lost loved ones. They say this, and I quote, we won't let the deaths of our loved ones be in vain. 
and we won't allow the government to risk a second wave of deaths without learning from their mistakes. They will be listening to the Prime Minister's answers today. So what would the Prime Minister like to say to them? Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, I join with, I think, every member of the House in mourning the loss of everybody who has died in this in this epidemic, and I can assure him and through him uh, the victims and their families uh, that we will do absolutely everything in our power to prevent a second spike in this uh, in this epidemic. And that's why we're taking the steps that we are. That's why we've set up, as I say, an unprecedented test and trace operation. That's why uh, we are investing massively in our NHS, in our frontline staff, and. In, as I say, in the last year, recruiting 12,000 more nurses as part of a programme to recruit 50,000 more, preparing our NHS for winter. We will do absolutely everything we can to protect our country and uh, to stop a second spike. But what he has to decide is whether, whether he wants to back that programme or not. Because one day he says it's safe to go back uh, to school, the next day uh, he's, he's taking the line of the unions, one day, one day they're, they're supporting our economic programme, the next day they're saying our stamp duty cut is an unacceptable bung, one day they're saying they accept the result of the Brexit referendum, the next day, today, uh, they're going to tell their troops to do uh, the exact opposite. He needs to make up his mind uh, which brief he's going to take today. Day. Because at the moment, Mr. Speaker, looks he's got more briefs than Calvin Klein. We're getting on. Oh, We're getting dear. on. We're getting on with delivering <laughs> on our agenda for the country, getting this country through this pandemic, and taking it forward. Should we just have a moment's pause to reflect on more briefs than Calvin Klein? Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's very Boris Johnson, um, and we had angry here before that. We did really get it, really getting quite cross uh, with with this uh, behaviour, um, and I think you know what you see is two people whose styles are so diametrically opposed to each other that they really don't see the point of the other. Um, <laughs> The um, uh, one of the striking things I thought is the way that uh, both sort of try to pretend they're not doing the thing that the other one accuses them of doing. So, uh, and then they get very cross uh, about it. They, actually, Keir Starmer is a bit all over the place, but that's part of the job of the opposition. You know, what Boris Johnson is pointing out is not entirely without basis. Uh, but equally, um, uh, Keir Starmer is right to say. Uh, I can support the idea of a track and trace system by pointing out the one you've got isn't very good. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, and it's uh, it's going to be something we hear a lot more of. I mean, it was a pretty bloody score draw, really, I think. Uh, I think you might be right. I'm not, and I'm not sure that if if the, the opposition exists mostly in newspapers and news bulletins, I'm not sure that Keir Starmer did anything there to insert himself in the top of a story. No, I don't think so. Um, there'd be the odd quote scattered hither and yon, but I don't think uh, that was a game-changer at all. It was um, it was pretty arid, wasn't it? Now, towards the end of that, we got Boris Johnson um, uh, in his sort of scattergun approach of things he's cross about. Uh, he mentioned Brexit, uh, which hasn't come up at PMQs for some time, uh, he, uh, and what the, uh, Keir Starmer's troops are going to do. That's because uh, this afternoon there's an opposition day debate in the House of Commons on the effect of the COVID-19 pandemic on negotiations for a future UK-EU relationship. It's been called by the SNP. Uh, they're calling on the government to accept the offer from the EU of an extension to the transition period something that the UK government has not been inclined to uh, to do. Well, no, it's completely and utterly ruled it out uh, for all time. 
He'd rather be dead in a ditch, I'm sure. Uh, so let's find out if Ian Blackford, the leader of the SNP, raises this in his questions at PMQs now. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Tomorrow, this Tory government will publish legislation for its biggest power grab since the Scottish people voted overwhelmingly for the Scottish Parliament in 1997. Westminster's plan to impose an unelected, unaccountable body to rule on decisions made by the Scottish Parliament will not be accepted. The decisions of the Scottish Parliament must and will be decided by the Scottish people. We also reject any attempts of lower standards from one part of the United Kingdom being imposed on Scotland, knowing that this Tory government is prepared to sell out food and agriculture industry to his pal Donald Trump. Will the Prime Minister confirm that his Tory government are once again ignoring the wishes of the Scottish people and launching their hostile agenda against devolution. Prime Minister. On the contrary, Mr Speaker, what we are doing is possibly the biggest single act of devolution uh, to Scotland, to Wales, to Northern Ireland in modern memory. And it's, uh, you should be celebrating them, the 70 powers or more that are going to be transferred uh, to, the, to the elected uh, people in Scotland. Uh, what he wants, by contrast, is barriers, trade barriers, Mr Speaker, between England and Scotland. No, no, nobody able to use sterling uh, in sterling. He talks about, about unelected and unaccountable uh, people. What he wants to do, Mr Speaker, is hand the powers that we would give back to Scotland from this Parliament to Brussels, which is neither elected nor accountable. Well, that's all got a bit more lively. Ian Blackford in the House of Commons. I think yes, he must have flogged his house. Um, <laughs> no need to see inside there his was beautiful no, rooms. There was no, uh, yeah, there no rooms left. It was that on the loft. Uh, so uh, Ian Blackford back in the house. It may well be because of the uh, that opposition day debate uh, later this afternoon. But actually, the vast majority of them are. I did a quick tot-up earlier. There are six virtual questions and 22 physical uh, on the order paper. So the yeah, vast majority of MPs, MPs have now are gone returning. Back. Um, what to make of this debate? Uh, try and unpack this, uh, if you can, for listeners. The, the, the Ian Blackford says it's a power grab by Westminster. Boris Johnson says it's the biggest act of devolution in modern memory. Well, it may be both, um, such as the joy <laughs> of, uh, uh, of uh, the politics of devolution, where... Um, Westminster hands things back, but they're things that uh, Scotland already thought it had, um, and it may not get as many of them back as it thought it was going to. Um, it's all very complicated, uh, but it was, uh, you know, wrapped up in some pretty stirring rhetoric. And, you know, uh, those who remember the 1980s can get vaguely nostalgic when they hear Ian Blackford talking about this Tory government, uh, which is a sort of, it's a buzz phrase in Scotland that, you know, it cuts through. Uh, it was striking as well, Tory MPs uh, in the Commons uh, appear to be enjoying having Ian Blackford back because, of course, when he appears down the line, uh, he's uh, everyone else is muted via video. Whereas... And they can't hear, he can't hear their jeers, but yes, now he can. They, and they are, they, from the moment he stood up, they were shouting, they were in good where's voice. the question? Where's the question? Let's see if they had another go. This is Ian Blackford's second question. Blackford. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Of course, the document we're going to see tomorrow is going to talk about the benefits of a single market. It's a pity that the Prime Minister doesn't understand the economic value of the European single market and customs union. This Prime Minister often states the need to respect referendum results. Then he should respect the decision taken by the Scottish people in 1997. We know this government is undertaking a full-scale assault on devolution. A Brexit settlement Scotland rejected. 
imposed on Scotland. An immigration system Scotland rejected, imposed on Scotland. A decade of Tory government Scotland rejected, imposed on Scotland. It is no wonder the First Minister's approval ratings are three times that of this Prime Minister. Effective leadership and respecting the will of the people contrasted with the bumbling shambles coming from Westminster. Scotland has the right to have our decisions made by those we elect, not bureaucrats appointed by Westminster. Will the Prime Minister guarantee that his plans will not be imposed on Scotland, that Scotland will have the chance to choose for ourselves? Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, well, first, first of all, I think, I, I just repeat my point, Mr Speaker, it's something extraordinary for him to attack uh, unelected bureaucrats uh, for, for any role they may have in Scotland, when his proposal is to hand back the powers that we are going to be, this place is going to be transferring uh, to Scotland, back to Brussels, uh, where they are neither elected nor accountable uh, to the people of Scotland. So I really don't know uh, what he means. As for, as for his, uh, his point about respecting referendum uh, results, Mr. Speaker, uh, I think the House will recall that there was a referendum uh, on the issue of Scottish independence, on the issue of breaking up the union in 2014. In 2014, they said at the time that it was going to be a once-in-a-generation event. I think they should keep their promises to the people of, the, of this country and to the people of Scotland. Well, there we are. That's the, the, the roundup of the exchanges between uh, Boris Johnson and Ian Blackford. A greatest hit show from both of them, if no new light shed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Blackford's was simply second question was simply a case stating the case for independence. Um, you know, uh, which probably works for him. And Boris Johnson's fairly comfortable on this terrain. He, you know, he's comfortable on referendums and he's comfortable on uh, uh, Brexit and the union. So, although as we were discussing earlier, he's you know he's, he appears to be concerned about the union and the fact that in the last few polls it does suggest that independence uh, has uh, more than 50% support in Scotland is edging in that direction and the coronavirus crisis has may well have helped that along. Yeah I mean Ian Blackford's question was so very long because there are so many things that a Scottish nationalist might want to uh, find a grievance about uh, you know going on at the moment. So writing up then the winner of the front bench exchanges? I think it was a score draw. I'm not sure it, uh, Starmer really landed a blow. I don't think Boris Johnson walked out of that chamber feeling like he'd had a, been caught out or had a tough time. Uh, and really, the onus is on the leader of the opposition to land the blows. Um, and we got it completely wrong. He didn't mention face masks at all. Not is, once, which no. Is, uh, I still find that um, slightly odd. Uh, I think we were probably right that maybe he should have done that. Well, he might if he talked, accused the government of chopping and changing, he'd just be teeing Boris Johnson up for saying that he'd done exactly the same, I suppose. But he got that anyway, regardless. He got it anyway. Anyway, you've been listening to uh, PMQ's Unpacked here on Times Radio. Uh, Tim Shipman, uh, political editor of the Sunday Times, joining us every Wednesday to pause the action and explain what is going on. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Between. Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer. Not a lot, um, it actually turned out. That's all we've got time for on this episode. To listen to the whole Times Radio show, just go to the Times Radio app and click Listen Again. 
To make sure you don't miss future episodes of the podcast, subscribe on Apple, Acast, Spotify or wherever you listen. And to read more about what we've been talking about on the podcast, go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Radio to subscribe. But for now, for me, Matt Cholly, it's goodbye.